the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. We're having a little trouble at the station. Nothing serious, but I'm going to start the show a few minutes late. As you know, I am your radio MD, Dr. Bill. And I'm all over the world. You can reach me at am860theanswer.com. That's am 860theanswer.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, you can reach me. You can hear me, listen to me live at AM860 The Answer. That's an AM station, part of the Salem Broadcasting System. Well, in a few minutes, I'm going to bring on Karen Howard, who is a nationally known uh, naturopathic uh, proponent and has also been involved with uh, congressional hearings and uh, has a good deal to talk about especially when it comes to vitamin D, which she thinks is a panacea. She's on the line. Which, which may or may not be. Karen, are you on the line with us? I am. Good morning. Good morning. How are you How you doing? I'm great, thank you. Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're the director of uh, a major organization and that you've had a lot of experience in the, uh, in the uh, legislative end of this business as well. Yes, I came to D.C. 34 years ago to work for my congressman, which is not an atypical story around here, and just never could leave. I'm sort of what you would call a pathological optimist, so I still believe in the legislative process. And uh, I spent many years working on the Hill and lobbying and doing that work and had an opportunity to um, get involved with natural medicine at a host of different levels. And three and a half years ago, opened the doors on the uh, Organic and Natural Health Association, which is a wonderful effort uh, with corporations and consumers coming together to really change the relationship and uh, and effectively change the world in terms of creating a healthy planet with healthy people. Well, if you can do that, you'd probably get a Nobel Prize in something. <laughs> so I'm trying to work myself out. That sounds like a big job. task, my friend. <laughs> it is. It is. You've and wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if I worked myself out of my job? That's my goal. Well, now, do you think that uh, you're going to live forever if you follow your your organization's uh, uh, mantras and take the appropriate vitamins and minerals and organic foods? Uh, no, I don't have that expectation. But I do believe that every day you can do just a little bit that'll stay around for a while and have an impact someday in the future. Well, that's a good thing. You know, I was. Uh, we talked yesterday, and we talked briefly about vitamin D and uh, the role that it is playing. For for guys, if you haven't heard me before and this is your first time, then you'll know that occasionally we talk about vitamins. Vitamin D is what we call a fat-soluble vitamin, 
it is manufactured primarily by oils in our skin that are hit with uh, ultraviolet rays, and that's changed into uh, a vitamin or a provitamin, actually, that we can absorb, and then our liver and kidneys take it from vitamin D1 to D2, and D3 is the active. And I think the D3 is what you're looking at, isn't it, Karen? Isn't that the main focus of research right now? Uh, the D3 research has been fascinating, really, to watch develop and, and see how the, those research findings are actually changing how healthcare is delivered. And as a result now, we've added omega-3 into that. So, so our crowdsourced group, 12,000 people already in the vitamin D um, cohort, and now adding people in, like you and me, to test their omega-3 and their vitamin D levels twice a year and see what happens with healthcare outcomes. It's, and we've already got some preliminary interesting, you know, things that we're seeing. So it's going to be a really uh, wonderful way to see how these two nutrients actually work together in a nutrient field trial. Yes, and uh, this comes into play in a number of diseases. Uh, The most, uh, I guess the most famous being a medical man that I know is rickets, which is a vitamin D deficiency of children where the bones are undercalcified and they bend and uh, they have deformities of the skeleton at stunted growth. And we don't see much of that uh, anymore because of the excellent diets and the supplements that we take. But uh, you know, as I do, that there are a number of other diseases that we've been looking at, like multiple sclerosis. What's right. going on there? Multiple sclerosis, they're seeing results where people are really, um, symptoms are really being diminished in terms of keeping your vitamin D levels high. And I think the real secret to what's been sort of unearthed in this work is that, you know, you see 65% reductions in, in cancer rates and all of this really positive and powerful information that's out 60% 60% reduction in preterm births, which is huge considering what some of our societal problems are. But the key is you have to know where your level is. And then you have to manage yeah. it over time. And if you don't know, you're just taking vitamins for the sake of taking vitamins and believing that they're working. And that really, as I'm sure you've seen, has a huge impact on whether people continue to take their nutrients, which oftentimes is not the case. And one of the problems we see is that uh, – some people are more resistant to, and I don't know why, to absorbing the vitamin D3. I guess it's our aging population here in St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay area. But uh, I've put people on 1,000, then 2,000, then 5,000 units to get their levels up into the normal range. By the way, guys, you have to see your doctor, and he has to draw blood, and will test for your vitamin D level to see if you are deficient. And below 30 is considered deficient, and I don't know if the research is supporting higher levels. But I guess we also ought to give the caveat that you can take too much vitamin D, and so you have to manage it at both ends. And I, I, don't, I won't address the overdosage, but uh, I do think that keeping our levels in that range, I think it's, what, 30 to 65 or 70, somewhere in there, Karen? Yeah, so the sweet spot showing up in this in this research is definitely the 40 to 60 and I will my 40 experience, 60. yeah, forty to sixty nanograms per milliliter. My experience is that people often know they're low, but they don't know what that means. And oftentimes, that twenty to thirty practitioners seem to think is okay, and it really isn't. I mean, seventy to ninety percent of the United States is deficient in vitamin D, so you can almost be certain that you're deficient if you're not supplementing. And and then 
being able to manage, like you said, some people need 2,000 a day, some people need 5,000. There is some research showing that the super dosage of 50,000 IUs once a month is not as effective, doesn't work as well in your body. Um, and everybody does have a variability that they have concluded there is no, there's no consistency in terms of dosage and vitamin D level across the population. So now you know, even though what, we're 97.9 or something like that, the same DNA, there's enough difference in each of us that we, we can't all take the same amount of vitamin D and generate the same results in blood serum levels. And, and this is uh, this is true. It has to do with absorption. It has to do with the uh, functions of the liver and the kidneys and how we excrete it. And there's probably also we'll probably find that there are some people who have decreased sensitivity in their end organs and their cells to the vitamin D3. So it'll, it's going to end up being uh, not only a vitamin but also acting like a hormone, which uh, will regulate cell function. So it's uh, something that you have to check on and see your doctor and. Of course, we don't want you taking 50,000 units once a week. Uh, you'll come in with muscle aches, uh, feeling like you're going to die. I, I tried 5,000 a day for a week just to see what it would do, and I thought I was going to die. I tell you, I never felt so bad. I had this doom and gloom dread. So you want to manage it within that range, and if 40 is the new sweet spot, then 40 to 65, then that's where we'll shoot for And it's an easy blood test. You don't have to be fasting. You don't have to uh, be dressed up. You can come in in your in your night clothes and bathrobe and get a quick one, and and we'll send you back out and call you back when the vitamin D levels return. But you got to you got to keep tabs on it, as Karen said. Karen, what what else is what, you mentioned? Uh, cancer. What else is going on? I've heard that bowel cancer is reduced. The rate of is reduced with uh, the use of vitamin D. Do you know anything about that? You know, I don't know anything about that particular study. The, the thing that ha that struck me, um, which really woke me up to the power of this nutrient, was a study that was done on men with um, Gleason scores that were in that range that, oh, yes, let's just watch you for the next year before we take any action. And they this, this was a, a controlled clinical trial, so they took half of that population and they just watched them for a year and didn't do any intervention whatsoever. And they took the other half, and they they managed their vitamin D levels, and they got them up to that 40 to 60 range. And in the population that took that vitamin D, there was no further action required. Like the Gleason scores went down. And in the that other ones, the they did what they would normally do, which is a variation on whatever, you know, those are. And, and uh, when I heard that, my um, my husband at the time had just gone through this, prostate cancer surgery, and I was like, this is criminal that people aren't aware of the implication of such a small, inexpensive nutrient into their daily routine. Yeah, the Gleason score, uh, capsule score, folks, is a, a score that the urologist and the uh, cancer doctors use to stage prostate cancer, and as you guys know, prostate is part of the male genitalia that adds to the uh, mucus to the sperm, and this is one of the big cancers as we get older. So it's important to make sure that your physician is checking you for uh, prostate cancer, both with with uh, blood draws and rectal examination. And you can be referred on to urology if there are some abnormalities, and they can do an ultrasound, sound wave picture of the prostate, can even do biopsies. And as Karen said, there is that watch and wait period because a lot of the prostate cancers are not fast-growing. And most men die 
having had at least microscopic disease, but there are some really aggressive prostate cancers, and you have to address those. And boy, the surgery is, it used to be really rough. It's a little bit better with the robot, but it's not as, certainly not ideal to have your prostate taken out. It interferes with all kinds of functions in the pelvis and genitalia. So you're right. And uh, I did not know that. So it's yeah, so quite a fascinating piece. Preventative. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and and as you say, I mean, it it does act like a hormone in your body, and so even even diabetes is, you know, we're seeing fifty percent reduction in diabetes rates with people who are in that again that sweet spot between forty and sixty. Key being, you know, are you are you managing and knowing what your levels are? So, well, as we add in omega three to this, and and you look at cardiovascular outcomes, there's a lot of vitamin D research around cardiovascular health. And there's a lot of research around how much omega-3 can help your cardiovascular situation. And and we just saw a meta-analysis, which is, you know, an, an analysis of like, I think, 23, 25 studies documenting the reduction in death associated with cardiovascular for people who took omega-3. Imagine what we'll see with the power of these two ingredients combined in terms of health outcomes related to things like cardiovascular. So that's where we're sort of like really excited about this. And people often assert to themselves, I have been guilty of this, that if I have a great vitamin D level and I do a really good diet, I'm probably good with all my nutrients. And i got to tell you, my omega-3 level was not good, and I love to eat salmon. So it was a lesson learned for me. And that's what we're seeing, that our vitamin D cohort that's so solid in that space, you know, with really great health outcomes, only 14% of them started the study with uh, omega-3 levels that would be considered to be good. So omega-3, folks, it's a fatty acid. And it's involved in the uh, metabolism of cholesterol in our body and probably other things that we don't know about, then perhaps even the lining of the sheath over our nerve cells. So omega-3, uh, we can get that from fish, fish oil. I think flaxseed oil for the vegetarians. Uh, am I right? Isn't it in flaxseed oil too? Flaxseed is a great source um, of, yeah, of omega-3 as yeah. well for vegetarians. And some, some yeah. of the algae-based um, oh, I don't I think, know about those. Yeah, there's some algae-based uh, uh, supplements that you can take for uh, omega-3, and I take krill. I take krill oil. Krill oil is the small shrimp, uh, I think, that uh, are caught and and then processed, and the oil is squeezed out of them. If I remember correctly, and krill, uh, like a, a small uh, phytoplankton yes. shrimp kind of creature. Yeah. Yes, it's it's uh, harvested in areas where whales feed, and the really interesting thing about krill is that there are not many companies who who manufacture krill, who process krill, and they are all so committed to a sustainability of their industry that no one they have fishing agreements all over the world. So that and and most of the ships now, I think I know one company has uh, cameras, so you can actually watch how they harvest the krill and the lack of waste that goes into how they catch it so you don't have a lot of other fish caught up. And if you think about the fact that 80 to 90% of the world's population is deficient in omega-3, what would happen if everybody started to eat salmon? And I don't ever encourage anyone to eat farm salmon today. And most people don't like, you know, salmon, mackerel, sardines as much as I do. So this is another option that we um, that that we educate our 
uh, audience on with our with our site, our, our site for people around the country. It's called NutrientPower.org, where you can get a lot of this information about you know what these nutrients are and how to supplement or eat your way to health. That's NutrientPower.org. Yes. NutrientPower.org. Okay, sounds like a good thing, and we'll mention that again before the show's over. Well, the, so don't kill too many krill. That's what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> it's just a, it's a very sustainable way to get your omega three. It's uh, there, you know, we're having shortages now in some of the areas where um, salmon runs are, you know, being threatened, and uh, it's just something to consider yep. depending on what your preferences are about how you want to get your omega threes. Uh, it's an interesting uh, study. We were in Alaska several years ago, and we went to one of the salmon hatcheries. Uh, that then allows the the small fish, the smelts, or whatever they call them, I can't remember the babies, to get back into the ocean. And uh, they actually do return back to where they were born, right back to that place. But uh, we do need to have sustainability. And we could take a lesson from the lobster guys up in Maine. Boy, do they have a system. We went to their, uh, their little uh, museum and uh, hatchery and watched how they hatched and the things that they had to do to ensure that the population of lobsters survived. That is so, a beautiful thing. Yeah. Did I hear someone else on the line? I don't think so. Oh, maybe Joe and Bill are trying to get the, the phone system worked out. Yeah, so we want to have sustainability of, of these products. And there's a number of, of things that we can do. Uh, certainly, we have to be conscious of what we're doing to the environment in terms of overfishing. So, I but it's, it really it speaks to nutrient deficiencies all around. Um, I hear often from people, I should be, you know, I can get all of my nutrients from food. And I think there was definitely a, a day in our lives where that would have been possible. It is not so easy these days because the soil has been so significantly depleted by conventional agricultural practices that it, your food is not as nutrient-dense as it used to be. So it, our, we have a philosophy at the organization that supports regenerative agriculture, that the more regenerative agriculture we can put into our system, the more nutrient-rich our foods will be. And uh, we work with the lab now that um, we're testing some of these things to see what's happening with our food that's derived from these soils where there might be pesticides showing up in the supply chain. So we, we carry that message with us throughout all of our nutrient work to say, where you can get this, you should be eating these correct foods. And obviously you need to minimal, you know, consume minimal processed foods regardless because it's just so damaging on your health. And help educate people so they can say, you know, there are a lot of people with iodine deficiencies. And some of that's because, you know, most of the salt I eat is sea salt, and it's not, it's not enriched with iodine. So where am I going to get that um, in my diet? It's, just, so it's kind of an interesting conversation that we're having about how will, we, how will we measure and know that taking dietary supplements and or eating foods to support this has an outcome on health care on my health care and what we do as a system moving forward. Are we, are we going to incorporate these kind of nutrient knowledge and rich conversations into how to keep people healthy? And do we have the data to support that? Yeah, I think we already are doing that, and there is uh, some preliminary data in a couple of areas that you and I have talked about. Uh, there is some speculation. I don't know how hard the data is about prevention of bowel cancer with uh, adequate vitamin D levels. 
and I, I would agree with you. But one of the big criticisms is that somebody does a study of 100 people and they get a small but statistically significant outcome and they say, aha, see, that vitamin really does stop this or help that or prevent this. And as the uh, British Medical Journal pointed out, they looked at about 200 newspaper articles over the past few years, and most of what was reported really did not have hard science behind it. And I've talked about what kind of scientific studies we need, uh, the the power that it has to have, the number of people that have to be in it, the controls, and the matching of controls with people who are actually taking the uh, larger doses of vitamins. So it, it's it's an exciting area, and I agree with you. We need more research, but fortunately it's being done. And it gets, yeah, and the, yeah. So the interesting thing about that for me is, it's it's a very different thing. Clinical trials are considered the gold standard, and that's work that has to be done, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, where you're you know you're putting <clears throat> foreign to the body inside you and and looking for results. You're looking for a, effective use of that um, ingredient. And you want to know that it's going to be helpful or it's going to be dangerous. With nutrients, so much harder to do a, a blind controlled study where half of the people are what not eating omega threes and the other half are. So th- that's where we come into play with the value of adding to the research and saying nutrient field trials where people are self-reporting outcomes on a regular basis on a very you know an IRB sponsored study where mm-hmm. everything is controlled. The researchers are, you know, are, are experts in the field all around the country. So it's this really rich addition of data that has, is actually changing how healthcare is practiced. So at the Medical University of South Carolina, where they did this work on preterm births, they uh, went, the, the result, a nice way to do a study because there's a beginning and an end. It doesn't go on forever. And what they discovered was that the women who were coming through and managing their vitamin D levels to that 40 and through 60 NGs were 50% less likely to have a preterm birth. And with that data, the, the institution changed how they manage pregnancy. And now everyone, including their employees, there's a protocol for practitioners to track and manage the vitamin D level. Now that, to me, is how you change healthcare. That's That's a proven outcome, and with 25 states to where 50% or more of babies are born on Medicaid, this is a game changer. This is changing babies' and moms' lives for generations. Yeah, and I think that uh, if this proves to hold true, which it sounds like it will, then we're going to certainly have a healthier and a brighter uh, group of people coming along, and that is certainly one of the great cures for welfare and societal ills is to have people who are healthy and happy and well-educated and uh, so that that's nothing but good. And I would like to see uh, not only their preliminary uh, trial, but also I'd like to see what this shows in five to 10 years after they've involved thousands of young women in in the uh, study and see what the clinical outcomes are. Hopefully they'll hold up. But you got to remember though, Karen, and I tell this to my my audience all the time, I'm I'm talking to you guys, that there are more factors involved and we have to look at the data and we've got to kind of pair through it and sift through it and see because perhaps people who are taking the adequate doses of vitamin D during pregnancy are also people who are eating a healthier diet and taking better care of themselves or who are older 
and a little bit more mature, we know that a lot of the problems are in adolescence, not only with preterm births, but also with uh, child neglect because of ignorance and uh, immaturity. So we have to look at all of the parameters, but there's no harm, and it sounds like a great thing. So let's let's push it out there and get everybody who's on who's pregnant, get everybody on adequate levels of vitamin D3. It's D3 that you have to take. You can't take D1 or D2 because, especially in the older population, you can't convert it. The kidneys and the liver don't convert uh, as well as we get older. We lose a little function. So we lose a few things here and there. So you have to take the D3. And what is that, the calcitriol? I can't remember what the – that's the commercial name, isn't it? The calcitriol. I believe you're right. I'm just, yeah, I think you're right on that. I think so. And I wanted to throw this out, too, for anybody who's interested, for any graduate students or college kids who are interested in doing some research. The uh, National Institute of Health actually has uh, an Office of Dietary Supplements, and they have a research scholars program. And this would be a great opportunity. Funding for this is closed for fiscal year 17, but there are certainly other opportunities. And if you're not uh, if you're not a university trying to get funding money or a big-time researcher, you may find yourself a, an internship there between medical school or getting your Ph.D. at some, some point. Uh, check this out. That's the National Institute of Health, the Office of Dietary Supplements, the Office of Dietary Supplements, and it's the Research Scholars Program. And they have a significant amount of money that they are uh, pumping out uh, for uh, any number of studies, whether they're clinical outcomes or or uh, prospective studies or um, analysis of all the studies that have been done. Uh, so uh, I want people to know about that and to pass that on. We want to use the resources that we have. Let's get our tax dollars back, put them to work for good things. Have you heard of that, Karen? Do you know of that, that program? I do, I do. You know, there's been a lot of work um, done on natural health and dietary supplements through that agency, and it's uh, it's been really fascinating to watch how that's changed over the years. And I hope they continue to fund it at you know more significant levels because this is really important work for people to do. Oh yeah, and we, I mean, you know, we have to know uh, what we're eating and what supplements we need. Certainly, the the late 19th and early 20th century were. really magnanimous times for understanding and discovering the vitamins, the role they play, and setting some basic standards for daily requirements. But as we get more, uh, how shall I say, as, as we age and we get more problems, we can see more benefits from different levels of what we used to think are just daily requirements. And we can also see, as you said, that there are certain food sources that are perhaps not as rich as they were in vitamin D or or vitamin C. And uh, these are real problems. And and we're all eating junk food. Well, you probably aren't, Karen. You're probably very healthy. Uh, But uh, I'm a junk food junkie. And unless we unless we put some some <laughs> put some vitamins in our junk food, we may not be getting everything that we need. Well, I, th- I I mean I think you speak to you know a large group of people who life is complicated and people are in a hurry, and if they can reduce the reliance they have on fast food and things that don't have this high level of nutrients, and I will I will add to 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 be very fair about this. There's a lot of junk food that's organic. 
Oh yeah. So, so it's not you know just because you're eating organic junk food doesn't it mean that you're going to be any healthier at the end of the day. So it's really about whole foods and minimal processing and getting back to that. If you buy something and wow, if it's got five ingredients and that's it, that's a good place to start. And life is what it is, and so that's why on our um, NutrientPower.org site, we've got a great list of the top nutrients that people are deficient in with really good information about what the nutrient does and how to get it. You know, there's a shopping list of things you can buy that contain these particular nutrients. Some of them are very well-known to people, like vitamin E. Others are like, what in the world is that, like astaxanthin? Um, magnesium is something that people are really, we, we believe there's a huge problem with magnesium deficiency and very difficult to measure because it's in your bones. So we're actually looking in that now with our omega-3 and vitamin D study to see, ask four questions about magnesium consumption and see if we can begin to just tease out some of the key issues around magnesium. And in the meantime, you know, okay, so where might I get magnesium? And on the site, you can sort of see the different foods, um, like whole grains and almonds, peanut butters, tofu, apricots, things that you can add into your diet um, to sort of counteract any problems that might be developing related to magnesium deficiency. And, and we use blood spot testing for vitamin D and omega-3 However, you know, our challenge is now to, to work with labs around the country that can help us with this diagnosis of people. I, you know, we only have 10 fingers and 10 toes. We can't be taking blood out of all of them. So what will our methodology be for being able to help people manage their knowledge and be able to access what their levels are? So it's, it's a complicated yep. quest, but it is a lot of fun. Well, Karen, I actually can take blood out of all ten fingers and toes at the same time. Uh, I'm an octopus, and this octopus is going to go grab a cup of coffee. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Hang on, Karen. we gotta got to do the commercials and the break, and then we'll be right back. With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. Demonstrators are expected to reconvene near St. Louis this afternoon for a third day of protests following the acquittal of a white former police officer in the fatal shooting of a black man. Demonstrators have been protesting a judge's Friday ruling, uh, clearing ex-officer Jason Stockley of first-degree murder in the 2011 shooting. Last night, the protest got violent. The property being searched today by counterterrorism police in London investigating the subway bombing belongs to an elderly couple who for years taken in foster children, many from the Middle East. A second arrest was made today of a man who was most likely raised by the people who run that foster outfit. Allegations of staff misconduct at Connecticut's only maximum security psych hospital are mounting after a whistleblower complained about abuse of a patient led to 31 staff suspensions and nine arrests. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727 384 
800-242-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Hi, this is Kevin Sorbo, and that's Josh Lucas portraying Jesus in the new Breathe Audio Bible. Josh and I are just two of the nearly 100 voices you'll hear as you journey through the New Testament. This completely new dramatic audio presentation of the New Living Translation will transport you into the world of the Bible with the voice talents of actors who have a passion and heart for the Bible, like Hill Harper, Ashley Judd, Marshall Allman, and Wintley Phipps. The world of the Bible comes alive in a deeply moving audio experience. The Breathe Audio Bible is available in a variety of formats you can listen at home, at work, or on the go. To secure your copy of the Breathe Audio Bible, visit breathebible.com. That's breathebible.com. From orphan to millionaire. I was abundant. He opened his heart to God. A child without parent. And opened his home to thousands of children in need. Discover the miraculous true story of how one man answered God's call and changed the world. Molly. I see impossible becoming possible. For three nights only in select cinemas nationwide, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Buy tickets now at mullymovie.com. Today it will be partly sunny with a high 91. Tonight we'll have patchy clouds with a low 74. Tomorrow we'll have sunshine with patchy clouds. The high will be 90. Tomorrow night it'll be partly cloudy with a low 74. And for Tuesday, it'll be partly sunny. The high again will be 90. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM 860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. We're coming at you on 860 AM, The Answer, and we're with Karen Howard this morning. Before we jump back into it, Karen, I want to do... uh, Give a little shout out to all the people who worked so hard during the hurricane here. Hurricane Irma, uh, fortunately, and we believe uh, that it's the Indian mounds. I think Barb and Bill Bunkley think it's the prayers, but uh, whatever it is, the storm swung around us. But we have to give a really big shout out to uh, Bill Bunkley and Joe and Robert and uh, the captain who all joined in to help out and pitched in and were on the air for hours and hours on end. And we even got Bill Bunkley out of bed at, what, 5 in the morning, and he's he said he's not a doctor, so he protested. I think it's in his contract, in, in the union contract, that he doesn't have to work that early in the morning. But he actually volunteered and did it. But I want to give a special thank you to all the electric companies that sent power trucks and linemen and engineers to our area there were thousands and thousands of trucks that came from all over the United States and Canada. And really, I mean, it, it, it was, it was just amazing. I could not believe the response of, of 
of the folks that we live with and our neighbors next door in Canada, uh, our fellow countrymen, everything was set aside and uh, this became an emergency and, and it was and they did a great job and most of St. Petersburg has power back. I hope that Tampa and Polk County and the rest of the state are following suit as, as quickly as possible. But again, for all you guys out there that are working on the lines and have driven your electric trucks, your utility trucks to our area, again, thank you. God bless you all. And I'm back. Karen, how you doing? Great. You, you hanging in there? <laughs> I'm doing great. I have not one complaint today. Okay, good, good. So we've been talking about vitamin D. Now, I did want to give some caveats on megavitamins. Uh, the the problem that we're seeing with large doses of vitamin B6 and B12 are uh, increased lung cancer in men who smoke. Uh, this is a, a clinical outlook, so it's not hard and fast, but there's no reason for people to be taking huge doses of these B vitamins. There's also a small increased risk for cataracts with high doses of uh, certain B vitamins. And I've got a, a bottle of uh, Super B Complex from Sam's Club, and the dosages are not very high. So for things like niacin, 25 milligrams a day is uh, really enough. B6 is 5 milligrams. Some people are taking 50 to 100 milligrams a day of B6, and if they don't have a B6 deficiency, that's way too much. You're going to increase your risk for other diseases. These are not only vitamins and dietary supplements, but they also have secondary effects like medication. So please follow the directions on the bottle. And for most of us who do not have inherited diseases of vitamin deficiencies, uh, we don't need to be taking humongous amounts. So I just want to caution everybody. I, you got to remember, Karen, I'm a doctor, so I have to I have to be concerned about all of my people and all of my patients and all of my listeners, and I want them to be healthy and happy. So the absolutely, which makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean. That- it goes back to the same thing we've been talking about this morning, which is you have to know your level. And without knowing your level, you really can't take effective action. So, that, you know, it's the naturopaths have warned me for years that I worked with, you know, that these B vitamins can be very difficult, you know, very risky with people who smoke. So I suspect the same study on women would generate some of those same results. And one of the study um, authors was actually quoted as saying, we only know the vitamin level uh, that we're talking about the day we actually tested it. So it is, you know, I think it's commonly accepted that, vitamin, you know, these nutrient levels change in your body and they need to be monitored and we need to be uh, effectively asking people to take the right dosage amount and these high dosage of any, high dosages of anything can be problematic for people. Yeah, and then there's certainly, uh, it's easy to go out to Sam's Club or your whole food store and get a Super B complex. And, and, uh, there's, there's really not a whole lot more there. And if you're eating a good diet, you may not even need this, but I take it as a supplement just in case because, as I said, I'm a bit of a junk food junkie. If there's a cookie around, I'll probably grab it and eat it while nobody's looking. I'm a secret <laughs> junk food junkie. But yeah, and we also need to remind people that the fat soluble vitamins are, are, potentially problematic. Vitamin E, which a lot of people were hot on in the 80s and 90s, we now know that that will interfere with uh, the medications we're taking for lowering our cholesterol, the statins. The statins are lovastatin, rosuvastatin, simvastatin. There's a whole bunch of them, and we know that these statins are potent 
antioxidants and they're potent uh, regulators of the amount of cholesterol that our livers process and get rid of. So we have to be careful and we have to talk with our doctors and our healthcare providers about which vitamins work with which medications. And if you don't like doctors and you don't like healthcare providers, there are plenty of sites on the internet, drugs.com, they have uh, little windows where you can type in different medicines that you're on and see if there are any interactions. And again, you don't need to be taking millions of units of vitamin D or vitamin E every day. That's It's just it's ridiculous, and you're going to hurt yourself. You do need to be checked. And can this finger stick test? Uh, who's who's putting that out? Who has that marketed? I haven't heard of that one. The vitamin D is pretty commonly accepted for uh, for the the blood spot test. It's been around for a long time, and the omega three research that's been done there are primarily two tests. A physician by the name of um, William Harris is the one who created the blood test that we're using, the omega three index. So when practitioners are measuring omega-3 levels, and that's fairly rare when they do, they're generally using um, Dr. Harris's omega-3 index test. So those have been, these particular uh, kits that we use have been validated substantially and are monitored at the research home in terms of their accuracy and validity and uh, ability to repeat. So it there are a lot of problems with tests in general that I think people don't know about, but you can send the test results. You can send the sample back to the lab you used and see if you get the same results back on the same samples, and that's really our quality control for managing these these test kits. And we're hoping to get more practitioners engaged in actually um, enrolling their patients in the Omega test kit project and working with different class, kinds of practitioners to see how we can increase that participatory rate so more people know their omega-3 levels. And I think that that's a, a great thing, and if it's a finger stick test, and I'll have my uh, office staff look into that and call our lab and see if they have that, uh, or our, not our lab, but our, our medical supplier guy that we buy all of our goods from for the running of the office, like the tools and the equipment and the testing that we can do in the office. One thing we have to remind of the doctors listening to is that if you do do the finger stick test, make sure you get the one that is CLIA waived. CLIA is a federal government standard for in-office testing uh, for doctor's offices, and there are some tests that are waived by CLIA because they're simple and common and they come with their own control mechanisms. But as Karen said, none of these are 100%. And that's why we have to make sure we double-check and get the same results uh, on the same sample. So if you don't right. want me sticking two fingers, then we'll check both fingers. Maybe one finger's got more vitamin D than the other. <laughs> we are complicated. We're complicated yeah, machines. Com- <laughs> yes, yes. Well, humans are complicated, too, so we're dealing with all kinds of complications here. <laughs> so, But I, I saw this uh, I saw this. this the article on MS, and I was really surprised that this is coming into play. But, you know, it would make sense because MS has traditionally been a disease of northern climates where you would think there's less sunshine, um, less direct sunshine and, uh, the, in the winter. Than the days are much, much shorter than at the equator. So it might have a, might be a real thing. I'm, I'm curious to see how that will turn out. That, that yeah, I'm very hopeful about that. And there's also new data coming out around um Dementia issues. I've seen some really positive trends towards keeping your vitamin D levels up at that 
40 to 60 and what happens with dementia. So I think that the power of, I mean, this is a powerful little guy. You know, this, is, this vitamin D thing is, is significant. And, and just a small piece of what we really need to be looking at and the complexity of what happens in people's lives. I mean, so we're looking, we're, our lab partner is looking at um, pesticide residues and, and, and water and urine. And we're seeing uh, what we may just end up with is there's just a drift from all that particular pesticide, which is essentially Roundup, um, getting into our food supply chain just through the air and water. So, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, I think we need to be more um, proactive around ensuring that we have a strong nutrient portfolio in our body because I think the environmental toxins and the just daily stresses that we put our body through we you know we're not we're not waking up and milking cows anymore every day although some of those people i suspect are a whole lot healthier than i am and you know just our lifestyles have driven us to be you know in a place where we need to be more cognizant of this every day and that that level of information can put people on overload you know we already have too much information at our fingertips so being able to personalize your nutrition portfolio by beginning to understand what your levels are and what they need to be and being you know going to places like nutrientpower.org where you can get information that'll help you sift through all this is really what we're about you know just getting as much information into people's hands as possible to make this easier right well let me let me double back for a minute roundup is a is a herbicide so we have two different classes of chemicals herbicides and pesticides Herbicides in general are, are, they don't really do too much to humans. Pesticides will because we are close enough to the insects that we can have some problems. And we've seen problems with herbicides in, in large exposures. The, uh, the Vietnam era, Agent Orange was a herbicide that was used to uh, defoliate or take all the leaves off of the trees in the forest so that the uh, military could see the Vietnam. Army of the North Vietnamese Army and the Viet Cong, and the people that had the problems with that because I, I know because I sold my house to the guy that did the research on this at the CDC at the NIH in Atlanta. The people that they really found problems with were the people who were handling the herbicides, the Agent Orange, and were not wearing their protective uh, outfits, their hazmat suits. Now that's not to say that the long-term effects are not deleterious, but certainly we we need to be conscious of that, and we need to look at that. It's not going to be very practical, I don't think, Karen, at this point, to test everybody for levels, but, uh, but I'm really curious to see how you turn out with the cohort study you're working with to see what the levels are and to see if there's any long-term effects. I, now, the pesticides, i got to tell you, they're dangerous. They are dangerous, and we've even taken the organophosphates off the market. The organophosphates uh, were the pesticides of the 70s and 80s and 90s, and they were also, uh, they are also what we use for nerve gas. We just concentrate it more, and that's what the nerve gas is. And I had to laugh when everybody said that we didn't find any any, uh, nerve gas in Iraq when we went in. Yes, we did, but the press called it a pesticide, but it's oh. what nerve gas is. It's just it's it's a concentrated pesticide. So, and you can weaponize that different ways, and it's uh, but that's what it is, and it's off the market now, and you can't even find it in the United States. Maybe in a research lab, but 
Well, it's true. I mean, with with Roundup, I mean, what we're just what we're doing with our own members is if they have products and in, any ingredient or product in the supply chain, they're testing to see if there is any residue. And we're talking about residue. We're not talking about you know dip it in glyphosate. So we're just curious to know what the exposure is. Our our standards in the United States are very different than European standards. This is a very complicated and controversial issue. Um, but we do know that farmers are using glyphosate to defoliate plants. So chickpeas are, are probably the most common of those that, you know, to get the leaves off and make this thing go faster and get them in our cans at a quicker rate. We know that Roundup's being used to do that. I personally will only eat organic chickpeas just as a result. But that's a personal choice. So that'll be what we're looking for is to see if there's a problem that we don't know about. So we're very proactive about that. We're going to be doing some testing of other kinds of um, products to see if there's things like phthalates in the system. So if there's a, you know, if there's a capsule coming in and a phthalate obviously is a, a plasticizer to make things soft. It's not supposed to be in your food. <laughs> and, and dietary supplements are food. So we're curious to know if that's even getting into the supply chain. And if it is, we want to know about it now so we can proactively, our members will proactively stop, um, you know, and we'll put out alerts to industry saying, Hey, this is not good. We people take lots and lots of dietary supplements, unlike a pharmaceutical product, and they take them for long periods of time. So whatever is in that capsule needs to be as pure and safe and effective as possible because it is just a heavy load that you're consuming on a daily basis. I have friends that take three piles of supplements three times a day. I'm not one of those people. Well, I think there's a, you know, there's there's a common sense that has to come into play, and I would tell people because a lot of our our listeners are on fixed incomes, older people in the Tampa Bay area, the organic foods are going to cost you more, and eating non-organic foods is not going to kill you, especially if you're already 75 years old. If you've made it this far, I don't think you're going to have too much trouble. But for those who can afford it and who are motivated, uh, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think that we need to see the outcomes of those people. But we also have to remember that people who are eating a, quote, quote, healthier diet are probably also exercising. And if there's anything that's going to prolong your life, it's slimming down and staying physically active. And there's been a lot of studies to show that the even the NIH has come out and said that the the best thing you can do is to stay slim and stay active. So that, I think, is number one on everybody's level to cut down on their carbs, cut down on their calories, and increase their walking or bicycle riding or swimming or whatever it is they like. Uh, and I also want to say once again that you don't have to eat organic foods to be healthy, but if you can afford them and you you're motivated, as Karen is, then it's a good thing to do. And, and as Karen said, there are a lot of junk foods out there that are, quote, quote, organic. All organic means is that it's grown without using herbicides or pesticides and in soil that is fertilized with, uh, with cow dung or some other natural product. But, of course, in a food chain like ours, which is now includes 6 billion-plus people, it's going to be impossible to get all minute traces of everything out. You, you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, but that's that's not a reason not to try because if, if we know certain levels are toxic, like lead, then we can have a tolerability level below which we know you're not going to have problems. And there are certainly a number of things in our society that we use on a day-to-day basis that have trace amounts of lead in them, and it's just part of our modern world. We just have to be careful. I think that that's probably a good caveat for everybody. What do you think? I would agree. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, the world is never going to be perfect, and we can't dial it back 100 years and be eating straight from the farm a 24-7. Um, what we can do is exactly as you said, move, eat as well as you can, reduce your calorie intake, um, get a lot of sleep. People don't get enough sleep, um, and drink water, drink good water, and, you know, be um, uh, reduce the stress in your life as best thinking- you can. Yeah, I was thinking when you said the the iodine in the, is not in the sea salt, and we do have it in the in the Mortons that we all buy that's added to it. That uh, has been for decades now. But I was also thinking about fluoride, and I'm, I get in arguments with my wife and all of her girlfriends because I only drink the bottled water because they don't like the smell and the taste of the water here in our area. It's high in sulfur. And it's probably got a little iron in it, too. Uh, and I don't know that you can absorb that iron. But, and I tell them, but look, if, if you get your kids, your little kids drinking this, and they're not getting fluoride, which has been proven to prevent decay in teeth, uh, we've seen this now for 70, 80 years, uh, if you're not getting it somewhere, uh, you got to get it in the water. Now, if you're going to give your kids bottled water, then you need to get the, the little uh, – the dentist will give you a little tube, but it's just uh, tastes like toothpaste, and then you put a little bit on their tongue, and they swallow it. It's got fluoride in it. I used to do that with um, our son, Zeke, and he actually grew, and he's about six one now. I'm 5'10", so I don't know what we did, but something, <laughs> Mark, he, he ate junk food. He'd, he'd go from cookie to cookie, and everybody would say, he's not going to be healthy. He won't grow. Well, you know what? You're going to grow. You're, you'll, They're going to grow. They'll They'll find it. They'll find the, the right things. And uh, and I think most of us, we don't need to punish ourselves and say, well, I should be eating organic or I should be eating this or be eating that. Eat less. Take a daily supplement uh, unless your doctor tells you differently. Take your medications. Cut down on your calories. And as Karen said, stay active. Getting near the end of the show, Miss Karen, it was wonderful having you on. Such a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, we'll have to do it again, and uh, keep me informed on your research, and I'll I'll uh, email you and send you my email address. And everybody, again, what's that website? Are you there, Karen? Oh, yeah, so my, our website's nutrientpower.org. Once again. What? Nutrientpower.org. NutrientPower.org. All right, girlfriend. we got about 15 seconds left, so I'll let you sign off. I'm going to tell everybody again, thank you, everybody who participated in keeping us safe. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.